Hey everybody, it's Drew from Sleep With Me, and I'm believe it or not, I'm live here uh, from Golden Gate Park, recorded live, uh, and I've got a little announcement. We're teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you two exclusive episodes. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlist clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. Each playlist has its own topic or theme. You could try out the Music Decoded playlist with clips all about unpacking and analyzing music, uh, or Slice of Life, which is all about the crazy or incredible things that happen to everyday people. Also, Spoke has fun, exclusive content from Farrell. And that's why I'm here live at Golden Gate Park. I just concluded uh, recording one of these episodes that's only going to be available exclusively on Spoke. I'm lying here in the grass. Uh, you definitely do not want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Sleep With Me's exclusive Spoke episodes. You can find them all at Spoke.com slash sleep with me that's spoke.com slash sleep with me check it out uh and i'll see you in golden gate park at stowe lake bye guys finding quality denim jeans is tough and to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh almost impossible but at distilled spelled d-s-t-l-d you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use a promo code FERAL and check out and get it a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super-duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, everybody. That's kind of obvious, though, because it's my show. Hey, right? Hey, if you like uh, if you like the band playing there, that is Les Blanks. That is, uh, they gave me that song for free, so buy some of their stuff and support them because they were kind enough to give me a song for free. They didn't have to do that. Um, as I have said in the past other episodes recently that I brought this back because uh, Donald Trump got into office and I was really terrified about it and I felt kind of helpless and I wanted to come and bring the show back and talk to people and make a difference and, you know, uh, make some change. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh yet. I haven't introduced you. I don't usually do my intro. I usually do my intro separately. But uh, my guest today is, um, you know how they say there's a great woman behind every great man? Well, there's also a great woman behind every mediocre man, and that <laughs> mediocre man would be me. Um, but uh, I'm going to get to my my wife. I like to call you my wife, because that implies I got like you for some goats and like, some, some coins. Yeah, I'm a possession. I got it. 
Oh, I didn't mean it as a possession, but you, well, since you said exactly it, what it would be, it's not what I said. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> I'm so if, going to. I'm going to womansplain <laughs> you right now. Yeah, that's that, they just that's <laughs> nagging. That's that's all womansplaining is. Yeah, isn't it really is that is. sexist. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. How about this? Uh, when you went to the march, I stayed home and watched the baby. So one could say I'm the unsung hero. Yep. All that's the men, sexist as well. All the men who stayed home. That's <laughs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> Do your fucking jobs. That's all I have to say. I do my job. I ejaculated. <laughs> and then I fell asleep promptly. <laughs> Actually, when our baby was made, we were, we probably both fell asleep. I think we both fell asleep. Because we were pretty hammered. Yeah, we were very, very drunk. Uh, the night before our wedding, which I like to say because then we were technically in line with my Irish genetics that you were pregnant before we were married. Yeah, but I probably wasn't. But that's fine. I just, you just let tell me yourself. have this. Yeah, that's fine. But the reason you're on, let's just say real quickly that you you're you're a photographer and I a uh, feminist. Yes. And um and a big brain. You got a big brain. You have the best brain. I have all the best brains. You have all the best brains. That's what a Trump zombie says. <laughs> I have all Give the best me brains. All the best brains. I eat all the best brains. <laughs> uh, I was the best human before I became a flesh-eating zombie. Yeah. But no, no, we because we want to talk about because this is perfect because I like with my show with some of the past guests, especially with this dealing with Trump series, we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, which I hope gets canceled early by a, no. a, a impeachment. Yeah, I don't want to keep doing this. <laughs> but then I'll just do, I'll have to do <laughs> Pence or Ryan because they're going to be equally. Yeah, I mean, it'll continue. Really be, but uh, I like to have, like last week was the uh, artist who was a disabled rights activist. But then it's like it, there's a personal story yeah. on top of a subject matter. Right. And you're the mother of... My child, mm-hmm. our child, our child, the best child, yes. a bigly child. <laughs> but like, so this is very personal. And and when Trump, like, when Trump was elected, yeah. Oh, by the way, my wife's name is Kelly Dwyer because <laughs> I didn't do a proper bigly. Yeah, you intro. really didn't give me a bigly introduction. Uh, well, I yeah. Okay, my, I guess my wife, you kind of did, but yes. you didn't... I said you were a photographer and a feminist. Say my name. Kelly Dwyer. Thank you. Uh, and we also have our own podcast called Afterbirth. Yes. But anyway, because my first... When Trump was elected, my first fears were for our daughter and yep. and for you. Mm-hmm. And when you... What was your first fear? I mean, obviously it was for maybe, for sure. It was a little bit for myself, but it honestly, it's for me, it's more about I've always been I've always had sort of a thing about uh, LGBTQ, you know, about the queer community. Uh, that's always been really important to me. And that's what really hit me more than anything. And uh, I just got really scared for a lot of my queer friends. For sure. And now I'm going to cry. That's okay. <laughs> you're not the first person to cry on my podcast. Yeah. And you're and the listeners often cry. It just means a lot to me. Uh, growing up, my mom uh, worked in the floral industry. She was a floral designer. And so I knew a lot of gay people when I was very, very young. 
And in fact, my very first camera, I, my very first SLR camera came from um, one of her friends who was a homosexual. And he um, he died of AIDS in the early 90s. And it was really sad because he was a very generous, loving human being, somebody who I, I really looked up to. And so I've always been, I don't know, even when I was in high school and all my friends were calling everything gay because they thought it meant stupid or dumb, I had to remind them that uh, wearing that shirt is not necessarily a homosexual type thing to do. That's what I'd say all the time, and they'd roll their eyes at me. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of, it's always been a thing that's like deeply ingrained in me. And so that's really what I was thinking about more than anything else. And um, it is, uh, I mean, that was one of my first thoughts too, is like, I felt like the last four years specifically of Obama, there was a great deal of progress. That's it. Gay marriage is great. That's it. I mean, it. That, how about that for, that should just be a t-shirt, <laughs> gay, marriage gay marriage is great. Gay marriage is great. But I mean, no, like, but it's it, just it like, was, I felt like we, and like we have transgender friends. Yes. Um, the best transgender we friends. Have all the best transgender <laughs> but like, friends. Uh, and I felt like our friend Shaddy, who had some hard times, mm-hmm. like the whole airport thing that I'm sure yep. a lot of people and now is in love with a man and living together. Yep. And and I like all these things made me and maybe it's because we live in Los Angeles, too, where we are. We're surrounded by it every day. But yeah, it's like, I mean, it's not a, it's not even a thing we really think about until this happens. The hostess at our old restaurant was transgender. Oh, yeah. at, at Little Beast. I forgot about that. But it was like, like she was great. It was just like. It, here it was very intermingled and it was like it's LA and you're yeah, like you don't and as it should be everywhere where you're like oh yeah that's it's just, just your life but and now I feel those people feel yeah fear again yeah I mean or, not that I mean, they not ever that, stopped not, no actually <laughs> it was perfect everything was great no, no. but I, I but no, it's but I mean, so like, much scarier they felt like some people had their back and like now yes. it's like I've, yes. I'm sure they and uh, there's hostility again in the yeah end. there's a lot of hostility and it's really it's really scary and then of course there are people of color and within our own family yeah within our own family who've already been harassed like that's that just makes me so upset and it's obviously not just people in our family but Especially when it hits that close to home, that really, that hurts so much. Yeah. And it makes like, you want to fight. I don't know what it's like to be discriminated against, obviously, but yeah. I do know what it's like to have a family member who's very And you very know what brown. it's like to be bullied. We have a bully in the White House right now. And that is an important thing to talk about as well. He's a serious bully. The things that he says and the way that he says them and the way that he holds himself, you know. And he bra- he's bragged. Like, somebody posted a tweet of his about how, like, if somebody goes against him, I attack. Yeah, exactly. Like, from 2012. Like, exactly. he takes pride in being mean and he's aggressive. He's a troll. He's a troll. Isn't in it great, though, that his wife's uh, whole agenda is... Yeah, and his wife's agenda is anti cyber bullying. bullying. And I, I mean, maybe, maybe that's her own ironic way of saying, apologizing please. for her husband. Yeah, exactly. That's an interesting point. I never thought of that because it is like, 
I, they don't. You don't look at. You don't look at their, the way they hold themselves. I mean, like the fact that he ditched her when he got out of the limo. On the- Jezebel has a whole thing right now about how they think they're going to get a divorce while he's in office because they showed like a bunch of different clips of them together at different uh, White House things that have been going on all weekend. And they just she never looks happy when they're together. Well, it's hard to express emotion when you have that much Botox. <laughs> I mean, in her defense, her okay. face can't move. It's quite but true. it's, no, I mean, they clearly, no, like, they, I've heard from New Yorker pals yeah. that, like, she lives in a separate apartment and, like, he has a mistress. Not that, whatever. Yeah. So do I. Yeah, I mean. It's but, a blow up, But doll. you talk to me about it first, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's my hand. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. I, I don't, I don't understand, like, I think that's just like a, I don't know what it is. It doesn't even matter what the, their relationship is. It doesn't. Uh, it's none of our business. But the fact that he shows, like he just ditched, like that says a lot about the human just being. Just how he is in general. And and so it's not shocking. <laughs> I just had a dog jump into my lap. It's just, it's like, you see the way he treats his wife. And then so it's like, oh, so you're a fucking asshole. Like, of exactly. course you don't care about abortion. Or, yeah, it's he just doesn't like, give a shit about it's women. Like, it's just so weird, like, what... The all the talk of him as pre- his campaign is like jobs, jobs, jobs. As soon as he got elected, it was all law enforcement and yep. abortion. Yep. And means to make the poor poor. Yep. Not to defend him at all, but he did meet with uh, labor union leaders today. I'm sure that went well. I mean, I keep trying to find a little bit of a silver lining. You know, or whatever, or something that he might CIA do. CIA assassination? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Ultimately, that would be amazing. But, you know, I do. I do. And this is this might be a little bit of, you know. Um, Sorry, I just, like, lost my, my words. I don't have all the best words, like you Trump. Don't. No, but uh, this might be to my own fault. But I do have a tendency to, even when things are totally shitty to try to find the good that someone might do (laughs) and so i've been searching i've really been searching and i've been listening and try and that was the one thing today that i heard that i was like okay because that's kind of a big deal republicans don't usually do that so that's cool but other than that he can go fuck himself but i don't feel too (laughs) his he had the apprentice was non-union Schwarzenegger, when he became governor, go. made it. That's insane. But he doesn't. He has no. That's an act to meet with union leaders is right? a, is a gesture. Okay. Because he's he said during his campaign, wages are too high in this country. Pro, yeah. No, Pro you're right. Publica wrote an article about how he's going to totally kill right. overtime. Well, yeah, and not to mention that he doesn't pay his employee. Like, how many contractors has he hired that have sued him for not paying? So. Obviously, he does not have yeah. their best interest in mind. But to go back to you. Oh, yeah. But I mean, no, because these things are all heavy. But you went to the Los Angeles march, which yeah, was. I did. Uh, can I? I'm going to. I want to start somewhere else, though. Okay. And that is the fact that. And I kept seeing signs about this, but it's been something that I've been thinking about for a while. And that is. 
Here is our silver lining. That motherfucker has created a whole new generation of feminists. Because honestly, I never got this fucking fired up about this stuff before. I mean, there was an underlying thing because I lived in Chicago all through my early 20s and um, my late teen years when I was in college. And I was sexually harassed every single day that I lived there. I can't even say that there was one day that didn't go by where I wasn't sexually harassed. I really can't because it's and I complained about it every day as well. And uh, constantly was told by my male friends, like, oh, what a horrible problem you have that you're constantly getting hit on. And it's like, no, that's not that's not the issue. The issue is that I'm just a human being who would like to be able to go to fucking class or work without being sexualized. That's all. And uh, it never even occurred to me that I was. It's not like it's like hitting on you. Like there's a respectable way you approach exactly. a woman that you're interested in. And then they're saying, hey, I like your tits. Exactly. <laughs> Which or is not being hit on coming at all. Up next to a woman on the train and going and telling her how you're going to take off all her clothes and what you're going to do to her when you've never met her ever before in the world, like in your life ever. Ugh, that's, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I would like to sit next to that guy and tell him how I'd take off all of his clothes <laughs> I would love and that. like sever all of his limbs yes. and then like sodomize him with his own arm. That would make me feel pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, but despite all of that, I never really considered myself a feminist. Not that I was like anti any of that, but I certainly wasn't outspoken or I wouldn't participate in something, you know, like a woman's march or feel as though I needed to at all. What do you feel like Trump was a catalyst for you? Because I, is, yeah. I mean, the whole time I was with you, I always felt like you were a very strong woman and like yeah. you spoke your mind. Yeah. I, I just, would have called you a feminist. Yeah. I guess maybe I was and I just didn't realize it at all. Do you feel because now that you have you feel like this Trump thing has been a cat thing come that it's been a catalyst. Do you regret not being more? Uh yeah, a little, a little, I feel like I, I mean, I, again, there was always an underlying thing and I always like said little things here and there, just like I did with the gay thing where I'd be like, uh, yeah, that's definitely a homosexual type thing to do, but I never was crazy outspoken. And, when my uncles would make sexist jokes or, you know, other things would happen around me, I just laugh it off, you know, and I could, but thinking back, I do know that it, it's basically like someone was just poking me over and over again for years and years and years. And then Trump showed up and it was like, for lack of a better term, it was a trigger. It was like, there's the last, there's the last straw. There's the last, um, stab or poke. And that's the one that's going to make me just fucking fly off the handle and not give a shit and just say what I'm going to say. And if people don't like it, they can fuck off. Well, I think we grew up in semi-similar, like I grew up with a lot of racist jokes, mm -hmm. which when you grow up hearing these things as young, like... I never knew what the N-word... Like, I heard the jokes of like, hey, a Polak and an N-word and a yeah. Dago. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, I could say Polak, Polak and Dago. Yeah. Ah, I'm Polish. <laughs> I got a quarter pole. I can and say Polak. And that's Pol the thing. Growing up in Chicago, 
That's the word a, Polak, I didn't even know that was a slur for so no, many you years. Don't. And it's like, it still sort of isn't to me because it just, I mean. Well, also my mom was married to a, a Polak. serious Polak and his family. Oh my God. But like, <laughs> but you grow, like I didn't, because we didn't have black people in my neighborhood. Right. I knew the Jeffersons. And but I didn't associate. I didn't make I, the jokes I heard. Yeah. And Fred Sanford or the Je- I wasn't yeah. like oh that's those people because yeah. I loved them right more than my family. Yeah. <laughs> but like I didn't know what it really meant. Right. Like, I didn't understand. Like it almost like made me not understand that it was racist. I don't know right. if that makes sense. Yeah. No. It totally because I just was like I don't like I heard it and I didn't know it was a hateful thing. Cause right. That's how you. Because it's just you hear it over and then and over of course again. you re- once you then you realize it is and you're yeah. like oh that's oh my, God. my family's horrible. Right. <laughs> but it's like and that's so with the fe- sexism I'm like it's, it's the same thing because oh you're like yeah it doesn't. There's so many things. There's there are so many things that happen to me in my life that I didn't realize were sexual assault, you know, like that I knew in the moment that I was not comfortable with, but I thought that, Oh, it's my fault because of the way I'm dressed or because of the amount of alcohol yeah. I had or whatever. And I had, I mean, I had, I was abused yeah. and beaten and yeah. things, <laughs> yeah. but, but like, so you sort of like, you justify it in your own head, exactly. I think as a means of survival. Yep. You just and so you're like, well, yeah, and because I mean, even my mom was like, when I tried to ask her about certain abuse, and, yeah, and she was like, well, you know, your dad loved you, or well, you know, like that's just the way kids are, and it's like, so uh, it's almost you're it's you're, okay. you're you're, you're mind washed. Yeah, exactly. Well, a perfect example of that is when a girl is growing up and a boy picks on her or pushes, shoves her, or whatever. And people say, oh, he likes you. He, that's the, his way of showing you that he likes you. And that always bothered me as a child. So that means my dad liked me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that always bothered me as a child. And now as an adult, I realize that's fucking bullshit. That's not okay. And if any boy does that to my child in the future and that child's mother says, oh, he just likes her. I'm going to have words like that's all there is to it because I just can't handle that shit. Okay. Speaking in that vein, did I interrupt you? No, no, no. Go ahead. Cause let me remind you who show <laughs> this, but cause I've been thinking this for the last couple of minutes while you talk. It's like, so now that you have crossed this threshold with Trump being president and you feel more, how do you apply this to our how, or how do we is a better way like, yeah how do what do we do with our daughter yeah i know that's a really good question I, unless something drastically changes which i pray does yeah and i'm i want to arm her mentally yeah like i want her to go into the world as strong and as prepared as yeah, possible me too. i mean i think we've already got a good start i've been buying books for her that teacher about and kung fu stars yeah, We've, she's really good at kung fu stars yeah, I'm, there's some uh, nunchucks on the way from amazon right now uh yeah i think it's mostly just being honest and really you know i know a lot of people are like oh i don't want my child to grow up too fast but the fact of the matter is that the world 
makes children grow up too fast. You know, that's just what happens. That's a weird thing. Like, yeah, you can't keep your kid in a, I mean, exactly. And that's the problem is my parents kept me in a bubble for way too long. I remember being in high school and having friends who were only a year older than me and they would say things and I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about because my parents had sheltered me or my dad had sheltered me so much. By then my mom had moved to Florida and so because my mom was the only person who ever was semi honest with me. Even she kind of sheltered me a little bit. But um it's like how do you ever expect your child to learn anything if you don't if you just keep them hidden from the world, they need to learn about, you know, a perfect example of it going back to the LGBTQ thing is how, you know, with this trans thing with the bathrooms and people are like, well, that's fine. You know, I want people to feel as comfortable as they possibly can. But if my child sees a man dressed as a woman, in the bathroom how do I have to explain that to them and it's like well you just do you just explain it to them you just I don't know why they make this like why is that such a big deal or like that cover girl th- or you Maybelline know, thing remember yeah. I saw in my mommy group somebody post not my good mommy group I love the pile oh I shouldn't have said that <laughs> it doesn't matter anyways uh in one of these mommy groups that I'm in on Facebook it was um Someone posted about how some makeup company, I think it's Maybelline, it might be CoverGirl, has a man who is their new spokesmodel. And he's a makeup artist. And he's really great. And he's gay, of course. And someone was like, whoever posted it was like, what do you think about this and our children? And it was just like everyone, of course, because it's an LA group all the women were like what the fuck is wrong with you and why would you even post this <laughs> but there were a couple women who were like yeah it make I'm fine with I don't have a problem with gay people but I don't want my children I don't want to have to explain to my children and you have a problem with gay people exactly exactly because you you wouldn't it wouldn't be a problem like it wouldn't right. be something you explain you're just like oh, oh. Th- these are our friends and this is how they live exactly and that's all you have that's to it. do that's all you have but to do you clearly have some kind of issue if you're like how do i explain this right there isn't anything to explain so the how do, po- in shakespearean times how did they deal with this like i don't <laughs> i have to take my kid to see romeo and juliet but juliet's dressed as is a man dressed as a woman right. <laughs> i don't i can't my kid can't enjoy theater yeah. So the whole point of all of this is like, you just explain to your children, you just explain to them what's important and how you explain to them about consent. You explain to them about how their bodies are their own. You explain to them that people who look different from them are not, you know, they have a diff- they might have a different culture. They might have this. And also, you know, that it's okay to recognize that people are different from you. But, okay, so all this stuff we've talked about, and then you go to the Women's March, which you went to by yourself. I went, Yeah, I mean, I went with a friend. Oh, that's right, you did. I thought, yeah. I went with a woman of color, and I met up with my white girlfriend and her boyfriend. I don't think I should talk about that. No. Um, and... 
But like, okay, when you let's like take this moment by moment. When you headed out from our apartment, how I, did you feel? I felt really excited. I got to the train station and I saw all these women and it was great. And as I was like walking down the stairs, I, I mean, I didn't know any of these women who were there, but I seriously immediately got choked up. Like I felt really good. You know, I felt like, holy shit, I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm finally not alone, you know, because for a long time I felt whenever I would speak my opinion or be like, oh, what you're saying is kind of gross <laughs> when there would be like a racist joke or a sexist joke or anything, a homophobic joke, people would always roll their eyes at me. You know, like I mentioned earlier, it's it was rare that I had someone who was like, yeah, you're right. That was really shitty. Um, I mean, the people in my life who I'm still friends with all, many years later, those are the only people who would have been supportive. And actually, one of them is who I met up with at the march, Meredith. Um, but anyways, so yeah. Uh, but the greatest thing was when the train showed up and it was absolutely packed. I mean, it was almost impossible for me to get on that first train. I, I almost was going to just wait for the next train to come. But I was like, the next train's going to be just as full. So I'll just get on. Were people welcoming like, yay? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was packed and everyone was so kind and generous to each other and really cool. And so I was standing there with like an older black lady and, uh, a couple, there was like a man and a woman there and they were like, get in, you know, and like made sure that I was able, I had a place to like hold on so that I wasn't having to like lean up against the doors. And, um, yeah, it was really great. And at one point I saw um, an older Mexican lady come up to the doors when we stopped somewhere. And I was like, this woman's not going to the march. She's going to work right now. And I felt horrible. Like I felt really guilty. And I, you know, I made sure she was able to get on the train and um, so that she could get to work. And sure enough, she got off the at like two stops later. And I was like, oh, man. And it just like it kind of hit me pretty hard. And I was like, there are there are people who should be marching who just can't because they have to go to work and they have to support their families. And those are probably the people who should really be there <laughs> more than anyone else, you know. But it's great that people are there in. It, yeah, and, I agree. A hundred percent. I mean, in spirit. Yeah. Those people are there and. And that's why I think a lot of people are also there. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, and so I tried to keep that in my head the whole day when I was there. I kept, I kept trying to remember those people and tried to be like, okay, this is why I'm here. It's not just about me. It's not just about my daughter. It's about so many other things and so many other people. And so, yeah, when I got off the train, it was insane it was so packed there were so many people i couldn't even believe it we all were meeting up at pershing square but all the streets around pershing square were just filled with people watch it because i watched from home i watched i yeah. listen i was listening to the dc thing and i kept checking la pictures yeah. and and other cities 
And from my, like, I'm just sitting at a kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And I was, mo- like, I was weeping. And, yeah. And to see, like, the train stops in L.A. just, like, packed and yeah. lines is... So many lines. Really yeah. powerful. It's It was super powerful. It was so overwhelming. And honestly, like, I was supposed to meet up with a bunch of people and none of us found each other. Like, it was that insane. Like, people could not get to the spot that we were supposed to meet up at. Um, so, but luckily, I, I was able to find my two friends who I was going to um, meet up with. And um, we actually, once we got off the square, and we were, like, trying to get to the street because the organizers were, like, Everybody has to get off the square right now and get to the streets. Otherwise, they're never going to let us do anything like this again. You know, like they're going to kick us out. So we have to make our way to the street. And we were like, yeah, we're trying, but we just can't seem to get there. You know, like we were kind of stuck. And then we finally like kind of found a spot where we could get over. We still weren't on the street, but we were far enough off the square that they weren't going to complain. And we sat there and they did a bunch of speeches, a bunch of people spoke and it was great, but it went on a little too long because, you know, when you're standing, you need to have like a, somebody who does comedy shows or something, come in there and be like, you need to give everybody a tight five. Exactly. That's but what it is needed. true. Yeah. Cause it's like, and like most comedy shows go too long. So yep. it's like, Get it out. Yeah, we need a good comedy producer, like a good stand-up producer. I, I will run the next Women's okay, March. Good. Sounds good. No, but that's that's it, really. That's kind of how I was feeling the whole time because I shoot comedy shows, and I'm like, all right, there's got to be a way that we can get this going, you know? And so, but it was great because we all just, I just stood there and took photos and looked around at all the signs. The signs were all so great and so witty and funny, and some of them were really sad and tragic and like there were just so many different things and there were so many different points of view being expressed and it really meant a lot and so finally we got down to the street and they were like okay let's start marching north but seriously it took us 45 minutes to get from the middle of between 6th and 5th on hill to get from the middle of that block to the end of the block (laughs) like that's how long it took us to get that far because there were so many people in front of us on hill that we had to wait for those people to move down i don't know how many blocks it went but they said it it went really far downhill so and like Meanwhile, none of us could get cell phone reception or internet reception or anything because everything was so clogged because there were oh, so many so- people. Yeah. So I couldn't get on. Finally, one woman behind me was able to get on and pull something up on Twitter that said like the Chicago March had been basically canceled and now it was just a huge rally because so many people had shown up that they couldn't march. Like they had just filled the entire march route and we were just like celebrating that was for the cubs (laughs) i know i made that joke the other day i just of course but yeah you know it's just like so that really got us fired up and excited 
and then somebody started playing Kylie Minogue out of nowhere and everybody just started Minogue. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I don't listen to that music, but, uh, but I enjoyed it because everybody like started dancing and then we started moving and it was great. And so that's how we basically started moving. In and the- I heard like everybody was, I've heard this from a number of women, like everybody was taking care of each other. Like they really it was were like this very communal. It was very communal. Um, you know, at least where I was and what I experienced, it was super communal. It was, you know, there were all kinds of conversations going on. We were talking with all sorts of different women who came from all different backgrounds. And I heard so many interesting conversations about different experiences and it was just really cool. And then one of my favorite things that happened was like this chant started where there was a guy who just started yelling, your body, your choice. And then the women would respond with like my body, my choice. And I don't know. It just like, I was so choked up. And I mean, I know that's kind of ridiculous to get excited about a dude chanting, but it it just felt good to have an ally, you know, to have like male allies right there. And because there are so many white and it was a white male. I saw the guy who started it. And it was like there are so many white males out there who just don't fucking get it. And they just, they just want to make it all about them all the time. And that... What is that about white guys? I don't know. I don't... Like, is it just like, because the world has been so focused? Is it like the only child syndrome, but just for white dudes? I think so. I think it is. I really do. And it's like, look, I think it has something to do exactly what you're talking about with things like... And not that I agree with this whatsoever, but things like, you know, um, affirmative action, just like bullshit. And they feel like they're being trampled over or something. And it's like, I do feel like, and it's, I'm not justifying this, but I do, I think white guys or white people. Yeah. And I think that's what happened with the Trump thing where they're like, the dialogue has changed where it's like, you know, telling them what they can and cannot say right. which they shouldn't say it's right. like, like the whole like the I, it's not my line but it's like uh those who sh- knock pc they're like oh we can't say what we want to say it was like right. really I, what do you want to say? say like i'm sure it's great because it's really just you wanting to be hateful towards people who are different from you right yeah it's like what is it that's so impressing that you got to say yeah, that like, you're being opp- does it, that you're being oppressed what is so important about being able to say hurtful things but i think like <laughs> i think for the first time uh, well, I mean, this isn't any revelation, but white people are moving to be to, moving towards the minority. Yeah, and they and they're afraid. They're afraid. And guess what? You're feeling this. Like, yeah. What everybody else has exactly. felt. Exactly. Like, like get I used to it. I also feel slightly weird, like saying this as a white guy. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, let me enlighten you. Trust me. But it's like, I mean, but it's like I, I, you know. F- f- I, I I feel bad. I know. No, I mean, I I like after Trump got elected, I wanted to walk around Los Angeles and be like, like go up to women, oh. 
of all women and people and be like, hey, I'm not, Even I didn't, as a I'm white, sorry. Especially as a white woman, I wanted to do that because there were so many white women who voted for him. I 53% of white women. Yeah. Every time, even when I was in the lift with that woman, there was a part of me that wanted to be like, ah, I didn't. I still feel that way. And I, yeah. I mean, not that a huge amount of time has passed, but I'm just like, I feel like I want I feel guilty. To, I want people to know that was not me. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jim Cleverweiss, who did the other podcast, talked about like getting on an elevator the day oh, right. after the election. And it was he he's a white male and he was an African-American male and a, I believe in a Hispanic woman. And he could tell like they stopped talking because he stepped on. The, and then right. they were like, what do you think of the election? Yeah. And he's like, I'm scared from because he's a gay right. Yeah, married man with, and he was like, "I'm afraid for my family." Yeah. Like, and they hugged in the yeah. elevator. My friend, like, yeah, my friend Dave. Well, our friend Dave Ross just had a story very similar to that, where he was in a an Uber or a Lyft with an older white male, and on the day after the election, and he was kind of afraid to say how he felt about the election. But the guy asked him, like, how do you feel about the election? And he was like, uh, uh, mm. he's like, but I was just so upset and worked up that I finally was like, uh, I'm really fucking angry about it. And the older white guy was like, me too, man. It was the worst fucking day of my life. And he was like a sigh of relief because he was ready for that old guy to be like a Trump supporter. You know, I think that I think the thing that we need to I, I keep forgetting and I keep reminding myself is like he didn't win. He's yeah. not in the majority. And that that's when when people are like, oh, these things are in shambles. I'm like, they're not really. No. Because it's like most people didn't want that and they don't yeah. want this agenda that's coming out. And I think that's what was so overwhelming, too, about getting on that train and going to that station filled with women and getting off the train and just seeing that whole square filled and not just with women, but with men and women in all different colors and shapes and sizes and whatever it was like oh my god we're not a alone and we didn't vote for this you know like the, this is not what the majority of the country wants and can i just say on that same vein i'm really fucking sick of hearing that i'm not from the real america and in fact one of the speakers before uh the march began even addressed that and was like, we need people to understand that California is real America as well. Like we are not just because we live here does not make this fake, you know, like we are not fake America. We're this, we're just as American and patriotic as you are in the middle of the country. And in fact, most of us come from there. That's where our families are, you know? Yeah. No, the, the whole, I've been really annoyed with, uh, and I've read about this because when the after he won, I, there was all these articles in New York Times which were great about the Rust Belt and why they voted and they don't have mm -hmm. the. But it's like, in reality, first of all, they want jobs that are gonna. They're self. It, there's a selfishness it's that exists because it's like you want selfish. coal mines and oil job and yep. like and it's like those are not. That's not good for the future of my daughter yeah. or anybody else's. And not to mention. Today on NPR, I actually, I mean, I couldn't listen to it closely because I, you know, I have a fucking one-year-old who was screaming her head off constantly. 
<laughs> begging to be breastfed. Um, but I was I overheard something about coal miners and they have um there's some sort of sickness or cancer or something that the ACA was helping with. And basically, if the ACA is repealed, they're all fucked. They're no longer going to have that covered as like a pre-existing condition. Pulling back ACA is, to me, it's like, oh, that's the most passive-aggressive yeah. passive aggressive form of genocide. Yeah, so it's like you people who live in that area basically just voted away your health care rights, you know? But also, the, the point I was making earlier it's like i feel bad for people who are poor and i understand because i've been there yeah I grew, but it's like when a bunch of unheard like unheard america it's like but it's it's white america yeah it's like really because we've ignored the poor in the inner cities exactly for decades, decades. In, if not centuries yeah and, and it's now like, you care now you now give a it's shit because like, it it affects you like, personally got it yeah it's like uh oh, fuck what was that movie with kids, the movie Kids. Oh, yeah. When it's like, oh, when a bunch of white kids get AIDS. Yep. And it's like, oh my God, this oh, is shocking. Shit. When what it's like, oh do? yeah, but this has been going on for 20, 30 years. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, I just have to breathe for a second. Taking all this in. Oh. Well, no, but how do you, what is, because we got to wind it up. I know we do. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that native thing that I got so worked up about. Oh, all right. No, I just really quick wanted to say, like, the other thing that's very frustrating, and although our march was great and I really enjoyed it and I felt like it was a really positive thing, it doesn't mean that everything's cool in the feminist world. You know, I do feel like white women really need to take a step back and listen a lot more. Because I recently uh, was on Twitter and read, um, I feel horrible that I don't know the woman's name because I, I just looked at it and I haven't really had a chance to like completely absorb it. But I read her thread. It was a woman who was at the DC March. She's from Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma. And um, she was, she's a native born and she was there with a bunch of her, um, you know, a bunch of other Native women. And they were treated poorly. They were treated very badly at the march. And they basically were treated as though they were like a museum display for everyone to just watch because they were in their regalia and whatnot. And everyone wanted to take pictures. And, you know... I have to say I felt guilty reading it because I did take pictures of some native born people dancing in the march and I made it I'm I made a point to get across the march <laughs> to the other side of the street so I could take pictures of them. But I also did it because I thought it was important to get pictures of them. Um not just because it's beautiful or whatever the fuck. Anyways, um but she said that when they were handing out flyers and trying to talk to them about, you know, like the pipeline and about water and about land, that white women were just not willing to sit and listen. 
And I just think it's really fucking important that we listen to everyone and not just ourselves and each other, you know, like there's way more, there was way more to this March than just white women and grab them by the pussy and Trump, you know, there's minorities, there's the queer communities, there's people of color, there's immigrants there's the fact that no human being is illegal. I don't know. I just think all of these things are important. And I just want to make sure that uh, people understand that, you know, we're that those things are important things to talk about as well. No. And that's why I've brought this podcast back because I was like, I want yeah. to talk to these. And it's like, if listeners have suggestions for, I, I, I would love to find native American people to talk mm-hmm. to. Um, I have some people on the line, but it, Things fall through yeah, and like it's or like I had a labor lawyer guy activist who was like, I've just been to- he was told that he couldn't do yeah. it. The, like his office was like, no, you can't do it. Yeah. It's like so it's like it gets tricky. Exactly. But if any of you listeners know of of anybody who would be a good guest on this, uh, like a, I would love to find a yeah. Native American All the- uh, activist and. We need all the best guests. All the best guests. We want to make conversations great again. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, but email conversations with Matt Dwyer or conversations with Dwyer at gmail.com. And I, uh, please tell me what you think of the show. Ask questions. Uh, suggest guests or subjects or things you would like to hear me talk about. And Or you could go to the mattdwyer.com and, and uh, you can contact me through there. Kelly, I want to thank you for your thoughts uh, because I think it's important. Thanks for having me. Thank you. (laughs) Once it stops recording, you still have to deal with me. Um, I don't get to go somewhere else. Yeah, you can if you want. (laughs) Uh, And to you people, thank you for listening. Please do me a favor and review the show on iTunes and uh, uh, tell your friends about it, tweet about it. it. it, uh, that's how it helps I, I stopped doing this show for a couple of years and felt a need to come back uh, support live podcasting and feral audio and um, as my one of my favorite guests uh, Pete O'Neill said at the end of his f- interview with him uh, power to the people, all of the people thank you very much National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.